I'm Evan Madden. And I'm Mike Samartano. And we're here today for a very unique circumstance. We interviewed Dr. Robert Shapps, the superintendent of the Mamaroneck School District, to discuss the 100% reopening that's going to occur after spring break. Let's take a listen to some of his thoughts on this complex and challenging situation that the district faces. So why now? Why would we open now? The lesson learned from my vantage point is that trying things out under controlled conditions, you learn, people adapt, they innovate, you adjust, and then it strengthens what comes next. And so it's two and a half months left of school for a year, essentially. What can we learn from this that we may have to apply in September? We asked Dr. Shapps about the current case numbers in Westchester County, as well as in our local community, and asked him to comment on the status of the current scientific beliefs around community spread and why he felt that now was the right time to give this a try. The, the percentage of our positivity rates have come down from where they were 90 days ago, right? And if you look objectively of Westchester County, you would say that we're still hovering at the 5%, 4%, which on a national level is concerning. You, you know, look at the map of the, of the states and you'll see that New York is still in, in, in elevated relative to that. So then that's just general statistics that you, you have to pay attention to. But then I look at the last 69 days in the school. In other words, I, I think I'm trying to separate out community spread which is something we can't control. And what happens when students come into a building and adults come in, and what are the the, the rates of transmission in students socializing together? One thing to consider is the numbers from last summer are almost identical to the numbers happening right now. So we wanted to figure out what makes right now the right time to open. We've noticed over the last month, or since we've come back, even from the break, that our daily reporting of positive cases have, has drastically reduced. So where we were seeing even six weeks ago, 10 cases, 12 cases, 18 cases, now we're seeing one case across six schools, no cases you know, in a day. And, and so something's changed. And I think one with the vaccination uh, program for educational professionals. I'm feeling at least um, encouraged by the fact that will the percentage of our district staff be protected, which is an advantage at least from being able to staff school. And Stu, what are the patterns of transmission among children that is, is really what we're seeing that we can project going forward for the next two and a half months? But I would agree with you that it, it'd be a false statement to suggest that the numbers have come down to where you know we feel we're, we're out of the woods, right? Because they're still. Um, I do speak to George Latimer each Monday, and he he has been very clear that week by week over the last five weeks we've seen a downturn. Um, the also the number of hospitalizations and deaths related to COVID have, have changed for the for the better uh, as well. We asked Dr. Shapps to tell us a little bit about the planning and preparation process for the reopening. 
Where did it start? Who was involved? And how did it unfold? We started with our youngest learners because just thinking about the demands on parents and remote learning and the challenges of developmentally five-year-olds, six-year-olds to learn all day through screens, that we felt that that would be the priority. As we went through our planning and tried to understand the dynamics between having some grades transition back, some grades have a hybrid, the complexity and the demands of managing all of that within a school that's the size of six to 700 students is more difficult than saying, we can have one schedule, bring everybody back and accommodate them. So I think it was a, the going through the iterations of planning that kind of brought people to say, you know, uh, if we're just doing this and phasing in, the work to create two schedules and three schedules and four schedules within a building is, is more labor intensive and difficult than saying, let's run on one schedule. What are the anticipated challenges to opening up this late in the year? So, so the one variable that's new to us, it's hard to, to imagine that this far into the year, is lunch, right? So, so lunch is the, the most kind of um, complex and I would say risky endeavor because we're, we're, it's the only point in time where students are removing masks and eating in close proximity. And so trying to understand the lessons learned from other districts have had a full day schedule and have had to navigate lunch, I would say is, is one big. The second is, um, in, in many respects, understanding classroom environment and trying to walk into the shoes of teachers and recognize that the model that has been in place has been highly successful relative to small group instruction, um, personalizing instruction, giving teachers the comfort of space to work with individual or small group. And then what happens in terms of the, the strategies that need to be considered, learned, and adapted based on a higher density of or concentration of students within a classroom. So, and, and, and so from a public relations perspective, and, and expectations, we need to be able to communicate to parents who think, yes, my child's coming back. What coming back to school will look like for five and six-year-olds over six and a half hours of a day, what does it mean for teachers? And reconciling you know, our own expectations with the public's expectations of what's going to be the same, what's going to be different. And that's a lot of work because I think um, from a teacher's perspective, there's a huge adjustment and a huge demand that has to be rationalized and in some ways internalized as well. What's one thing that you think the Mamaroneck schools have done successfully under the circumstances of this school year? If I give a small example, I was on a call with 50 superintendents in the region and, and the superintendent said um, to the group, how are you thinking about musical performances and music instruction because we haven't been able to play a note since last March? And a superintendent colleague of mine who from a, of a wonderful district blurted out, well, ask Bob Shaps because they, their musical coordinator was instrumental, no pun intended, in sharing the innovative practices that are in Maronick where they're playing music all over the place. And I said as a point of pride, our music teachers have been from day one under Dina's direction um, incredibly innovative in creating physical structures to allow safe playing of music, to thinking differently about how to organize children. And in some ways, that has been shared with surrounding districts. And so collectively, the region has benefited from the innovation of Mamaroneck teachers and their ability to say, how do we find a way in? And to me, that's, 
the, the exciting part of this. And now you say, how do you take some of those uh, innovative ideas, the practices, and say, what's the next iteration of that? If we consider this to be an audition from now till June, how do we start to then think about what happens after the summer? We may be in the same position in September that we are now, and so we need to plan and consider uh, you know, a blended learning model, a full remote model, or some resources that would be associated with that based on what comes, uh, we, you know, might be in front of us. So I, I agree with that, and I've talked to the board, you know, we haven't identified it directly in the budget, but certainly um, we know that we need to be able to pivot and apply resources in the event of. Uh, so so I, th I think it's really important. I think it really brings to the surface um, the, the kind of relationships between um, the people who work in schools, how our contracts and, you know, how we, we have resisted for many years the, the, the desire to, to be more flexible and thinking differently in a way that benefits us in the long term, Mike. And so I would love to have the opportunity to say, do we need to continue what I would call with the industrial model school given the fact of what, that in some ways the pandemic has forced us to, to rip that apart and strengthen ourselves through creative innovative practices. So I'd, I would love for the opportunity to bring educators together and I've had informal in, in conversations with individuals to say, do you need to have at the high school level five different sections of the same class and operate those in a structure that is only in increments of 45 minutes? Um, could you think differently to say, I'm, am I, you know, teaching load going to have a remote portion of my class like a university that's online, I'm going to meet in small groups of the day, um, or I'm going to bring everybody together at one moment, right, depending upon what I want to accomplish, where I am at, and have the flexibility to not necessarily tied to what we've known for the last 150 years. And then how do you do it to scale, right? Because it's not just about one person, it's about all the moving parts. So we've learned so much and experimented with so many different things this year, some very challenging, of course, but some really positive. We've had some great experiences and teaching and learning has changed in a lot of really positive ways. What do you think the future holds and how will things change when we get back to normal? Do you think everything will just kind of snap back into place where it was before the COVID days? It would be a shame um, if it does snap back to where we were, only because, again, we need to acknowledge and recognize that this thing called school, right, that public education at least, is incredibly important to our society, to the, our nation's future. And now saying, how do we, like every other industry and every other place on this earth, evaluate where we are, evaluate how we can improve and create more opportunity and grow as opposed to holding on to and, and, and kind of saying, you know, out of fear, we need to just keep things the same, knowing that change is the only constant. I, I, we work with uh, Dr. Sharon Ravitch, who has really created this flux pedagogy from the University of Pennsylvania. And her mantra is, as we all know, change is the new constant. So the idea of returning to regular, whatever regular was, uh, it's never going to be regular. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. And we need to adapt to that and accept it. We'll be better off for it. How does it feel to be a superintendent right now? 
And where do you draw your strength from? It's it's draining. Um, I you know I would say that in non-pandemic times, um, I worry about um, the safety of staff and students uh, in different ways. Uh, the bus going up on a field trip and things like that. Um, all the things that in our normal experiences in lives can go go wrong. Um, this is just completely a different level. Uh, to your point, um, I have a lot of responsibility around health and safety, and, and um, I, you, you need to look in the mirror and say is it, that this is about people's lives and livelihood, and, and you know, it can end in, in death. And so that is an incredible level of, you know, I would say responsibility that I will never compromise on. Um, you know, I have a unique perspective because many of my children are involved in saving lives. And so um, hearing from them and seeing what they're going through around what it means to keep people alive uh, during the COVID, it really strengthens my resolve to say safety first, people first, and everything else will take care of itself. And so th I would say in the last 30 days, pressure of people just wanting for this to end and wanting their kids to come back and the pressure of people who feel that we're not at the right point that has weighed on me the most because there's no right answer as we know and only time will tell and so you you want to be cautious you want to be uh, certainly smart around your decision making unfortunately there's no right answer and so you you're kind of still in, in involved in this evaluation process, consideration of all the variables and hoping for the best.